Welcome to this bonus episode of Multilingual Montessori, a podcast where we discuss multilingualism, multiculturalism, and raising children from a Montessori perspective. I'm Gabrielle Kutkov, an AMI Montessori guide and TESOL instructor, and I'm the founder of the Multilingual Montessori website and Instagram account. I started this podcast in September, just about three months ago. In that time, I've interviewed 10 incredible Montessorians, mothers, and child development experts from all across the United States and the world who so generously shared their knowledge and wisdom about raising and educating multilingual children from a Montessori perspective. At the end of each episode, I invited each guest to share some advice that they had for listeners. I decided to compile all that advice into one episode that I hope you will find as inspirational and informative as I did. But before we get into it, I want to say a big thank you to everyone who has joined me on this podcasting journey so far. Whether you've listened to all 10 episodes or this is your very first, I know there are a million and one podcasts out there to listen to, and I so appreciate you spending time with this one. It truly means a lot. So without further ado, let's get into the advice from the 2021 guests on the Multilingual Montessori podcast. My first podcast guest was Thais Zaytuni, a trained Montessorian from Brazil who lives in London with her Irish husband and their two-year-old son. I asked Thais what advice she had for parents who were curious about Montessori or interested in raising their child from a Montessori perspective. Here's what she had to say. I think that for parents who wanted to <clears throat> advise, let's say, if I if I can give in anyone an advice how to raise your child, it's just, it's really hard to shut the outside noise. There mm. is a lot of experts and, and people who know things and etc. But I would say, really follow the child. It is a big cliche. But, you know, our children, they are not trying to manipulate us or they don't need training they don't need you know like a very hard authoritarian person they you know just love them kiss them comfort them look at them who they are and I, I think that's the best piece of advice for any parents really and if you are interested in Montessori just yeah look for there are very good books out there and, you know, maybe some schools that offer kind of sessions, workshops, things like that. But but I would say Montessori really is about slowing down a little bit, looking at the child and see what it is that they are trying to communicate and time, allow them time. Our mm. lives is so rushed, you know, really allow them time to take if we can, as much as we can, and when we can, and when is appropriate, just allow them time to go up and down the steps 300 times, and that will happen. <laughs> and just let that happen. It's okay. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. Just allow them time. Let them, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, with, with, with the way that they are. Nature made this the way they are because there is something you know that 
it, it is it is the way it is so just really respect them yeah On episode two, I interviewed Ginny Gonzalez, the director of early childhood at Austin Montessori School in Austin, Texas, who has been working in Montessori for 22 years. She is originally from Puerto Rico, and she's a mom of three bilingual sons. I asked Ginny what advice she had for parents who want to raise their children with two or more languages. Whether it's a single parent household or a couple uh, situation, that the most important thing is to be committed to what you want to offer to your child and have an understanding of what that's going to look like and what's going to require for the adult, the adults. You know, sometimes there's caretakers or extended family who's in the mix. So that we are really offering something with a lot of integrity, with a lot of beauty. The other thing that I will always recommend that even though we have parents who are bilingual and speak two or three different languages, I feel that when you share with your child your maternal language, your language of origin, there's a lot of soul, there's a lot of beauty there. Mm. So it is it is better, in my opinion, to if if you want to have a situation where your child is exposed to a different language, but you yourself uh, are not very articulate or, you know, because, you know, we learn how to speak our language when you're, when you're little, that maybe you hire someone that does, you know, quote unquote, the living with your child, mm-hmm. the, the living stuff, the, the nanny that might come to, to your house and, and prepares dinner and prepares baths and takes them to their swimming lessons so that that person will be committed to the language that they are speaking to that child. I think I think that's that's everything. If a child is exposed to a, a language with a lot of consistency and the person that is speaking that language is their native language, you know, there's the, that musicality, that that the rhythm, the you know, the child will really absorb all of those nuanced, um, you know, differences of, of that particular language. So stay committed that this is what you want and then see it through for the first at least five years. Because once mm-hmm. the child has been exposed to that same language for five years, that's where that acquisition of language is is coming to an end they will not lose it if they if they are exposed to it
On episode three, I interviewed Chelsea Daniel, a Montessori guide and yoga instructor, about the intersection between Montessori and mindfulness and how we can practice mindfulness with young children. I asked Chelsea what advice she had for teachers interested in incorporating yoga and breathwork into their classrooms. Especially for Montessori, we already know this. Follow the child, follow their interests. So if you'd like to teach yoga in that way, like follow it. If they're interested in it individually, then have those cards out for them to see the yoga poses, have a yoga mat available for them. Um, If your classroom as a whole is interested in it, maybe see if your school can get yoga mats and you can do it on the playground or wherever you might have movement space. Um, And you can make it fun, right? It doesn't have to be like an adult class, like Warrior 2 to (laughs) Warrior 3, you know. Make it an adventure. Incorporate what your children are learning into it. You know, if they're interested in volcanoes, make a whole thing about volcanoes if they're interested in I don't know dogs just be different dog breeds the whole time (laughs) you know you can do so much within it and just use their sense of play their imagination to really get them engaged and I think that they'll love it it's going to be great On episode four, I spoke with Marilla, a monolingual mom raising two bilingual sons. Marilla described herself as going from thinking Montessori sounded kind of cultish to being, as she put it, a hardcore Montessori mom. Marilla shared this advice for parents when navigating life outside the Montessori bubble and spending time with families who have different parenting views or practices from their own. I would say that finding a good like parent community is so important you know I think as teenagers you know everyone you know I I remember hearing things about like peer pressure and um you know how important it is to choose your friends wisely um and I would say the same is even more true as a parent and I don't mind you know like I have friends from like across the whole spectrum, politically or, um, you know, choose your divisive topic. And I feel like I have friends across the whole spectrum, but it's been a challenge to figure out how to reconcile that and, you know, have healthy adult relationships and still create like a, a safe, and um, nurturing environment for my children. Um, And I don't even know if safe is quite the right word, but like, yeah, just being really honest with my children about what I think, but maybe um, they might have a different opinion one day, you know? Like if someone, if we're in a social situation with another adult, maybe, um, you know, to, to kind of explain the different viewpoints, um, and then say, you know, honestly, I don't know at the end of the day, what do you think? (music) 
On episode 5, I spoke with Hannah Ewart Crocker, a former Montessori child who worked as the director of the farm school program at the Denver Montessori Junior Senior High School for seven years. Hannah shared this advice about working and living with adolescents. I think the, like the biggest piece is, and the hardest piece, especially when you live with them every day or work with them every day, is to treat them as if they're already adults in some ways, right? Like you're still going to have to set boundaries and make decisions because they can't do those things themselves. But Dr. Montessori has a quote. I'm going to read it because it's really good. She said in, in the, um, there's three appendices in from childhood to adolescence where she talks about what adolescent education should look like. They're like the most important text for us Montessori adolescent people. She says the adolescent must never be treated as a child for that is a stage of life that he has surpassed. It is better to treat an adolescent as if he had greater value than he actually shows than as if he had less and let him feel that his merits and self-respect are disregarded. And this is like so hard, right? To give them that level of independence to trust them and to like hope that <laughs> hope that they do the right thing in some situations, but to really treat them as if they are emerging adults rather than like coming out of childhood because they don't want to be children anymore for the most part. Everyone's different, but for the most part as a group, they really want to show that they are gaining their independence, that they are adults, that they can act like adults. And they'll do that whether or not you support them, in that, right? Like they will... They will do it no matter what. And so the more that you can help structure that for them and share your thinking around this, this is why this routine is in place for us in our house, or this is why I'm asking you to limit your screen time. I think the more that shows them respect and, and, you know, and just other things like get them outside and respect that they need to be in person with their friends. Like, they're also developing empathy during this time. Like this is a really important time for empathy development. And so that a lot of that happens in person, right? Like when we look at other people's eyes and we read their faces and um, yeah, just being in like human form with other people, I feel like is really so essential for their development, but can be really hard to navigate when you are a family and you have to drive them places and, and all yeah. that. On episode six, I spoke with Lucy Tomashova, a mother and Montessorian who lives in Prague. Lucy is the founder of the Free Online Childhood Potential Montessori Conference and is the mother of three bilingual children. Here's the advice she had for parents. I think um, to be calm <laughs> <laughs> and to not look too much at all the perfect Instagram photos of all the perfectly prepared environments with all the perfect uh, uh, materials uh, with all the perfect kids <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean to be um, you know rude in any way uh, I just want to say that it's just photos and uh, sometimes as parents we uh, we feel that we are not doing enough or that we are doing something wrong or that 
um, we missed something uh, while raising our children. And uh, I think it's important to see that it's not like that, that we are doing the best that we can. Actually, the fact that your listeners are already listening to this podcast, they are already doing something for mm. themselves and for their children. And uh, I think it's very important to uh, take care of ourselves as well, to feel I'm okay, I'm doing, I'm doing okay, and my child is okay, and we love each other, and that's, that's a lot. On episode seven, I spoke with Jessica Winery, a mom and Montessori guide who started her own Montessori school in 2020 during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. Jessica shared this advice for parents who are curious about Montessori or interested in incorporating Montessori principles into their family routine. I, I would tell families that Montessori is not the materials. I think that's what people think of when they think of Montessori. They think of all the beautiful materials and they are beautiful. Oh my gosh, they are so beautiful. Um, but it doesn't have to be about the materials. It doesn't have to be pricey. That was my first worry because my first impression of Montessori was like, oh, it's nice, but it's also super expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were able to do it without spending a ton of money because it's not really the materials. It's a lot about respecting the child and using what you can have um, and making it work for your family. Um, following the child that always works, following the child, um, of course, not doing whatever they want, but, you know, following the child in their interest and respecting them. I think that is the cornerstone of Montessori philosophy. On episode eight, I spoke with Sonia Kegel, an American mother of two who moved to Sweden with her husband and children four years ago. She shared her advice for anyone interested in picking up and moving to another country, even one where they don't speak the language. Do it. I mean, so many people thought I was crazy for doing this. And I believe if you want to do something, especially to better yourself or your family, you have to do your research and there's a lot of information out there that's in English. That's not in the the language of the country that can really help you get there. And I think you should, yeah, I think it's possible to do and you just really have to go through the process and see what's working. And it's the Nordic countries, like you said, they just, they're every year they're on the top list for, sustainable for best family life for, you know, most time outdoors. Like they're just always hitting those goals and they're doing something right here. You know, like a lot of times when I tell them the Swedish people, how things would be done in America, they're often shocked because they don't even realize how good they have it here until they hear otherwise. And don't be afraid. I mean, especially if you move to Sweden, they're so welcoming of other cultures and stuff that the schooling is free to learn the language, take advantage of it. I think that is 
so amazing. And I know, for example, in Germany, it's not free. I have family in Germany and you have to pay to learn the language here. They know they want you to immerse into their culture. They want you to become Swedish, to enjoy it. And so they're willing to kind of help you get there. On episode 9, I spoke with Ayana Lewis, a librarian and a Montessorian living in Denver, Colorado. In addition to her Montessori training, Ayana has two master's degrees, one in reading, writing, and literature, and one in library sciences. I asked Ayana what advice she had for parents whose children are struggling with reading. Read to them and provide the oral language experience. I I have uh, memories of sitting around, especially with folks like grandma and grandpa and uncles and and having just time where they sit and tell stories and and give that one-on-one time. So number one is spending time actually talking with your child, actually, yeah, reading to, you cannot... I cannot encourage people to do that enough and singing and singing those rhyming songs and those songs you used to sing and learning some new ones and, you know, um, and learning songs with multiple verses. One of the beauties of growing up in Zion Missionary Baptist Church was that we had these, these songs and those hymn books. They had them in England too. When I went to churches with three and four stanzas, and that's mm. building muscle memory. And that's also building those brain pathways and, and, and the repetition of having that tune. Music is so powerful and, and por- partnering with the words to build um, the language and, and hearing the pattern of language and the flow of language. So those are some simple things. Yes, you can take sounds and as you're walking, oh, I see a cat and emphasizing the initial sound or the end sound. Why not? We do that in in our uh, work with the children in the children's house. Um, So parents can do that as well. But I say, really spend time talking with your children, singing with your children, telling those stories and creating an environment of oral language richness within the home. On episode 10, I spoke with Renee Chen, a mom of two girls who moved with her husband and children from Shanghai, China to Austin, Texas five years ago. Renee sent her oldest daughter to Montessori School in China, and both of her girls have been attending Montessori School in Texas since they arrived. Renee shared her advice for families considering Montessori education. And spoiler alert, she doesn't think Montessori is necessarily the right choice for every family. I think it's a big decision to choose which kind of education for your kids. Like, uh, it should be aligned with your family culture first. Um, yeah, I, I can't say much more about the family here, but for like Chinese families, um, I think the culture is very different. You know, this is so different. Like uh, like in China, at least the young family 
uh, our family is a represent, I mean, of uh, Chinese culture, not whole, but at least uh, it's, it's a representative. Um, like uh, when when my, my in-laws here, they want to help. They also want to be helpful. And uh, I also want to be helpful to my kids. Maybe sometimes uh, we, we just, we want to be helpful, but sometimes just uh, hurt, hurt, hurt them. Like uh, we want, we, we want them, we, we, we want them to be healthy. Just, uh, okay, please drink the water in the morning. That's the first thing to drink the water in the morning. But sometimes they just don't want to drink. And, uh, and uh, the, the grandparents will just uh, hand the water bottle to them just in front of their mouth. <laughs> and, uh, I will feel uh, very uncomfortable. And uh, I can feel they are uncomfortable. You know, it's more like a push. You know, this is uh, just one example. And also like a washing clothes, uh, like the some houseworks. I... I want them to take their responsibility to some houseworks because yeah, this is also a kind of respect, respect, right? Um so but uh but uh but uh, like the grandparents want to help. They 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 when they saw the piles of dirty clothes there, you know, and they, they invite them once and then they, they didn't do it, they were just okay, I will do it. <laughs> And a wash for them, <laughs> so they will miss the chance. And it, it kind of a habit. Once the habit build up, it's hard to change. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of this kind of examples. Pull down the shoes, pull down the clothes. You know, from the very beginning. So, if and also like uh, back to the study, like um, like in in China, we we study a lot. We have a lot of homework. Then we don't have time for the kids to do the housework. But the parents will think, okay, if you could finish your homework, well, I can do the housework for you. But uh, I think the story is not in this way, right? So if the family culture is not aligned with the story, like uh, you are, you are an individual, you you are an ind- independent person. You take care of all your own stuff. So you take the conse- con- consequence, right? So if if it's not aligned. It's, it's it's better to reconsider it yeah. and uh, yeah and also the um, in public school maybe it's uh, like uh, okay at this level you need to learn this knowledge at this level you learn this knowledge and in Montessori we try to catch up the public uh, curriculum also after like uh, after elementary early elementary and upper elementary we also want to make sure the kids learn the language uh, learn the language learn the mathematics right but uh, we respect uh, more you know of their own talent maybe some of them more like uh, art you know handwork or music they have more chance more time to spend on it but if if these things will make make a parent feel uncomfortable yeah i don't think it will be a good decision to to join monastery school, right? Yeah, I, th- I think this is the this is the two main concerns from from my feeling. Yeah, especially compared to the Chinese culture.
Thank you again to all of the guests who joined me this year on the Multilingual Montessori podcast. And a huge thank you to every single person who has listened to an episode this year. It truly means so much. You can follow Multilingual Montessori on Instagram at multilingual.montessori and you can find more resources for raising bilingual and multilingual children from a Montessori perspective at multilingualmontessori.org. Please take a moment to subscribe to the Multilingual Montessori podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. I hope you have a very happy and healthy new year and see you in 2022.